To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. All right, everybody, this is an episode right here that we need to bookmark because we're going to talk about everything covers for the garden from pests to heat to cold to shade to plastic, all of it. We're going to cover it right now. You ready, Batavia? Batavia is the cover queen, too, by the way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I live and buy it. I live by it. My garden may die by it. Yeah. So we actually had a question that was um, about like, how do we use it for shade? But because of the season, we'll start with the fall and then we'll go into cooling the garden after that and pests and all that good stuff. And um, I use covers a lot this year and I've been testing out and I got to tell you, man, it's been working for me. It's been working real good. I'm glad to hear that. Welcome over to the cover side. Yeah, well, I haven't been using it for pests. I'm using mm -hmm. it for heat, okay. so. And you okay. use it for cold as well. I do. Mm -hmm. When do you add those in for cold? Um, Days before my forecast uh, calls for frost. Okay. So even if I have some things that are generally frost tender, I still may opt to cover those beds. Well, excuse me. First, fro whoa, uh, cold hardy is what I was trying to say. A Sorry. forest frost? No, that wasn't it. So, um, yeah. And before we get started, everybody, if you'd like to support the show, check out the links below. Patreon, Apple subscriptions, our Amazon store, T-shirts, all that good stuff. All the links are below. Check them out and. Um, Help us keep this show going to help you learn more, learn to grow, and grow for change. Hit it. <laughs> Batavia's hovering the bell, staring I, at me like, are you done yet? <laughs> yeah. I heard learn to grow, then then the, the connection got rocky. Oh, it did? So I'm just like... Duh, 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 I duh, thought duh, you were yep. just going to hang up, because that's usually how we close out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, let's do... Uh, Ooh, should we start with cold or should we start with pest? Because that's a weird time right now. Yeah, you know, I, I, um, I'm okay with starting with pest. It's a little bit touchy, I think. Um, but let's let's dig in. Well, there. we've talked about covering for pests a lot because Batavia is mm -hmm. world. I mean, absolutely internationally famous for doing this. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. go ahead, you do it. I don't clearly. So, um, there are some generally flying uh, bugs, things like moths and such, um, that will lay eggs on your plants. And then, you know, you count the days within the next, you know, seven to 10 days, that larva will emerge. And guess what? You have something that's going to be eating away at your plants. Um, this actually is, I started this with my collard greens and then I learned that um, the cabbage moth in particular which is my number one pest in my garden actually enjoys a lot of brassicas including things like kale um, so I have generally tried to cover other brassicas um, but over the years I've also learned that this could help 
those that suffer from like squash vine borer issues. Yeah. Um, so it's the same idea where, you know, egg is laid and then um, your damage. And unfortunately, the squash vine borer damage could be detrimental to your plant. Um, I think you have a better chance at rebounding, you know, with um, from damage for like, you know, cabbage worms, cabbage loopers and such. Now, the trouble, though, because I would have my squash covered every day and twice on Sundays if it was just that simple. Um, my leafy greens don't require any kind of pollination, so I could leave them covered like indefinitely. Um, however, you know, something like squash plants will require pollination, and it's really one more step that I just I hate to do. But that's out there for you as well. Ultimately, you need to make sure that you are in the morning when flowers are blooming, male and female, that you're going in and hand pollinating. That's my signal for I have something to say. Is it distracting? I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Like, and or I didn't realize I was prone to seizures. Good grief. No. Um, the only thing about the squash vine borer bit is you have to understand the biology of the pest. And typically what happens is they overwinter in the soil and then hatch out. So if you're not rotating your crops appropriately and you put that cover on, you're essentially just trapping the, the moth in there with the plant. So it's a combination of a lot of things that have to occur for, you know, for some of them to work. Um, I don't use covers cause I just opt to use organic sprays. But that being said, I mean, you're fairly successful with it, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I generally, so using, and I know, I'm just, I'm going to be collard green proud. I'm not going to feel like I talk about them too much. It's, you know, it's bay of the garden, the vegetable garden. Um, and so I have an outbreak of cabbage worms and damage one to two times every season. You know, so the last handful of years I've been growing things like collards and kale starting in April all the way through like December. You know, so all the way through that period of time, however many months that is, I have about two outbreaks at various times. And it's always the point of I uncovered the plant. Either I didn't cover them soon enough in the season, the beginning of the season, or I uncovered them. Um, but, you know, and then when I uncovered them, I could not. I didn't see that the, the cabbage moth got in there and did their business. Right. Um, so that said, um, and I'll talk about kind of some of the the downsides of the cover and a, and a few when prompted by my lovely co-host um i feel like because i choose not generally speaking to use organic sprays or other sprays i probably like 90 plus percent of my greens are salvaged are beautiful are you know delicious are unbothered you know, based on my use of covers and how diligent I try to be. So because I spray with organic sprays, mine aren't delicious? You tell me. How does that spray taste? Just fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it's fine. Um, I'm just joking, everybody. I'm giving Batavia a hard time. And by the way, I am lovely. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> um, now, when you make these pest covers and also the frost covers season extension for cold then you know you have to have top to bottom coverage in your bed you can't just put something over the top yeah. and leave gaps um mm -hmm. i build mine with a piece of rebar 
and um, evenly spaced. I usually I have four by eight beds, and I'll put three, um, six total rebar in there, space them evenly out three on each side, with eight foot or maybe six foot. I can't remember either one. Um, PVC pipes, thin ones that you just bend over, mm-hmm. and if you do it early mm-hmm. enough in the season, the heat will actually help to hold that bend. And then you can kind of clip that stuff on to it. So it's really important that you get that top to bottom coverage because they're going to find a way in there no matter what. Yeah. And I've tried, just a quick note, I've tried things like the um, the decoy. And I, I did, I tried it one season and it just didn't work. The decoy moth, you know, because they're said to only be, t- to be territorial. So if one's around, the others won't. The way they kick it in my backyard, like in groups of twos, threes, and fours, like clearly that's not the way it, it happens in my garden. So, um, so there's that. Um, a couple of quick notes. There are a number of things. So I would never use plastic in the summer, you know, to cover my garden, protect my garden against pests. Um, I've used tulle fabric, T-U-L-L-E, or tulle. It's tulle. As some would it's tulle. Uh-huh. We actually have okay. a listener. Who is a costume uh-huh. designer, and she emailed the show and said it is tool fabric. Batavia is right. I have been a costume designer for I don't know ten years or whatever, and this is what it is. I said okay, Batavia. So it's tool fabric. Good job, Batavia. So was that email received just before the show? Oh no, because it was, I don't understand why I it was received would, last year. Received a call. <laughs> it, isn't that you see that, folks? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Thanks, listener. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. I just did want you out here talking about Thule. Yeah, no, I'm making myself look like an idiot. That's okay. That's okay. So, um, well, the tool fabric is let's water in. Yeah. So yeah. So a couple of things. So I, I think my the top three I'd say would be tool fabric actual row covers which is a crossover right it's multi-purpose and then insect netting is a big thing right you know so it's a a breathable fabric that is more durable than tule fabric (laughs) sorry (laughs) i've not used insect netting but i'm still gonna rank them i'm gonna say insect netting because it's more breathable followed by um, row cover which is still a little bit delicate, followed by tool fabric. Now, actually, I've used them as far as frequency in the reverse order. Um, so if you set aside cost for a moment, I think that they're the most durable would be insect netting, followed by row cover, followed by tool fabric, because I can never get from one season to another with the same strip of tool fabric. Right. Like I, I have to replace it. Whatever I purchase, you know, if I have a seven by four bed, I'm using like, you know, I think it's like uh, 10 inches or 10 feet by nine feet is like the strip that I'll use. Again, covering it from top to bottom, giving the plants some room to grow. That's really key, depending on what you're yeah. growing, how tall that thing is going to get. Um, that's important. Very important. And that's one reason why I don't use it is because of the um, the delicacy of it. I, and I just, I hate covering plants. I just hate it. Yeah. Now, also to note, um, we talk a lot about raised beds, but I've used it to cover uh, containers as mm-hmm. well. It's a little bit more difficult because you don't have that kind of structure like you describe when you use the PVC pipe. Um, but it definitely is possible, right? Um, there are all kinds of other like marketed 
um, products that you can use to cover actual, you know, kind of your non-traditional rectangle type beds right. as an aside. But I can't, I can't, I just want to underscore your point around the making sure that you're just not like wrapping it around the sides, that you have the entire space covered. And every time you go in and out of that bed, that you're being diligent about making sure that you close that baby up. Because that's what's, you know, what's going to end up happening. And I'll just transition and I'll turn it back over to, um, yeah, I get one or two outbreaks. You don't know about the outbreaks unless you're in the beds, right. really, right? You know, and so once I feel like I've done my job, I've harvested, I'm covering it back up, I may not go into that bed for another two weeks, right? And so that's enough time to really have some damage. So that's probably one of the downsides. Uh, the tool fabric, you can actually absolutely water through, like you said, I think the insect netting and for sure the row cover. It's a little... You know, it takes a little bit more to get the water through the row covers, which generally I'm describing that as something that you'd use actually for frost protection. The row covers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's in my mind. That's interchangeable. Well, way to segue into that. So, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, and the reason why we started with that is because you're like I started seeds months ago outside, and they've had the damage from what you would one would consider fall pests already so you can definitely use it for that but going into season extension and this this is very key because as we get through the show you'll see that there's another season extension but this one is season extension for the cold so going from the warm into the cool season and extending that period of time in which you can grow where you basically are going to use the same structure that you already have, but now you're going to add in plastic. So you don't need this tool fabric anymore at this point when you decide to make that switch. And it's like mm-hmm, Batavia mm-hmm. said, you start seeing the forecast lows getting cold or something like this, you can go ahead and throw that on. Now, it depending on where you live, it gets a little bit more com- complicated because Batavia is in zone 6 and I'm in zone 8A. And I mean, there is a 6A and B, but we won't get into that on the show. But um, when she goes to cover her garden for winter, she's basically got to leave that cover on until spring if she wants to try to keep growing. For me, on the other hand, I might have to put it on for a night or two, maybe even a week, take it off. And I might not put it on for another couple weeks. So that being said, if I go back and forth, I'd have to go back and forth between putting the tool fabric on or whatever fabric I use for that. And then going into the frost protection mode. Now, apparently we can use row covers for the insect prevention, which for some reason that kind of is elusive to me. I don't know. I don't understand how row fabric works. I feel like it's like a piece of magic that's delivered to you is what it seems like. It almost seems like it's too good to be true. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how to describe it as a, have you ever seen like a... Um, Probably not. Gosh. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost like... I want, I'm thinking about like a pillow. Oh, if you buy something that's delicate, like, you know, a necklace or... Here we go. Uh, or something, earrings, <laughs> and then they wrap it in something and put it in a box. It almost feels like that material. Oh, yeah. Super thin, right? Look at that. Nicely done. Um but much thicker than kind of that sheer tool yeah. fabric, right? Now, it's delicate. And so I put it on a bed last year for the first time. And I had like, um, I think I had a stick, a stake 
inside of the bed, like, you know, holding up a kale plant or something. And the way the wind blew, because you're thinking now we're in like October, November, the way the wind blew, the cover rubbed up against that stake and wore a hole in it. And it was so frustrating because it was like, all right, this is like straight out of the plastic, you know, straight out of the bag. Um, So I haven't had that trouble this year. I've had, um, if you've uh, seen me on one of the socials, the case baby has row cover over two of the beds and they have that row cover has been there since May. And so far I can't detect that I have any holes, which is really fortunate. Um, so I should be able to take this all the way into the fall, early winter. Um, and, and basically fold that thing up and put it away, uh, for the season. Now I really want to make a note here I could leave the row cover on all winter. I don't know how, like the impact of the snow would hand it would handle that, like the pressure of the snow, the weight of it. Going back to the idea of like, would it create a hole or whatever have you? But I'm not actively growing in January and February, so there's not a lot of value in me using row cover for that purpose. That's a, in part the reason why I transitioned to plastic because it's much more durable. It can take that snow and yeah. I can just wipe it off, shovel it off if I have to. Um, and that's a big, I mean, so yeah. it's like a catch 22 because on one hand, it's like you're going to replace the row cover. But on the other hand, you're using plastic. And at some point, the plastic's going to go away. Um, now, you're not going to get any water coming in through that plastic. So you've got to have a way to water inside of it. And there's multiple thicknesses that you can use. So based on your area, like if you live around where I do, zone 8A, B, 9, even 7A or 7B mostly, I would not recommend a thicker plastic because it's not just a one size fits all situation. You may not actually need that. And it's important to note, and I know we've said this many, 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 many times, but I'd be remiss not to say it. Like It's important for your success to be growing something in this type of situation in this season extension that can already deal with the cold. So you may be able to get, you know, like for instance, our area, we get a freeze and then it may go back up to the seventies and fifties for another month. So you could throw it over your tomatoes or something in that case, but you're not going to make them go through the whole winter. It's just not going to happen. You're going to consistently fight an uphill battle because all this cover is really going to do is unless you take other measures, you're just going to keep the frost off of your plants more than likely. It's still going to get pretty cold in there. It may stay a couple degrees warmer. Now, there are other things you can do, but for the most part, most people are going to put the row cover on and just do it that way. And it will keep the frost off of it, which is huge. You want to keep the frost off of it. And it's also going to warm up inside in the morning faster and let that plant rebound from the freeze. And that's going to help you with a higher success rate. Because what I find in my garden, which is not necessarily your garden or anybody else's, but from the time of December 1st to about January 15th, even though I have stuff in my garden growing, it stays pretty stagnant through that period because of the amount of sunlight there is. So, you know, during that time, we're just managing it, trying to keep it warm, trying to keep it rebounding and keep it alive. So when that January 15th ish date comes along, we can take off. 
So I use a thinner plastic than Batavia does. And I don't, I've only used mine like a handful of times. I'll set it up, but I don't really use it that much. So it took me three sports gestures to get to the proper alley-oop. Okay. <laughs> that was me like, you know, swinging a baseball bat. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Then I shot a basket. I'm like, no, that's not how that works. I'm passing the basketball uh, for the alley-oop. Uh, so a couple of notes. And let's just speak very, very directly with what I do in my garden. Okay. So I've not had plastic on my beds and been able to harvest food past like mid-January. Let's call it January 15th because it's easy. Right. Right. So I've had plastic on my garden for all of winter here in Chicago. Right. Um, And when I've peeked under that plastic, vegetables have been pliable enough to actually harvest and enjoy through it, maybe on a good day, early January. The time that I referenced like, oh, I harvested collards or kale in January, those beds weren't even covered with anything. That's just how hardy those plants are. So for my hardy zone, which is 6A as an apple, throw back to anyone that knows that reference. (laughs) Uh, Appreciate you. It said, I'm just double checking, to get as low as negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Not the norm for us. So what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about trying to balance this through negative 10. Right. <laughs> like that's everything on the top of the soil is dead at that point. Right. Some of these roots are still fine, but and we'll talk about that when we get to spring. Um, so I'm talking about something like a row cover helps me survive down to 28 ish, 25 degrees Fahrenheit. Maybe the, per- the ones that I purchase actually gives a recommendation on how low it provides protection. I'm going to say maybe my plastic provides the same type of low temps. We're not getting into the teens and these plants are continuing to thrive. Now, what am I covering? I'm covering spinach. I'm covering collards. I'm covering things like kale. Um, There's some lettuce that if I get to the very low 30s, 28, 29 degrees, I may be able to salvage on the other side. Um, There could be some root crops some carrots and things of that nature. But we're not talking we're not talking about any summer plants at all. Stop it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, anything that is heat loving, none of that. Um, there are some other leafy greens that I'm able to manage through. And I'm not, if I didn't list it, it doesn't mean that it wouldn't work under row cover. It's probably, it hasn't come to mind or I haven't tried it personally. Yep. And the reason why Um, we harp on the summer plant thing is because that's a number one question that we get mm -hmm. around this time of year is how do I get my peppers last? And you only have one option, move to a warmer climate or dig them up and put them inside. Otherwise, and a variation on that is, oh, you could get a greenhouse and you can grow tomatoes all year long here in Chicago. Yeah. No, that's not how well, that works. I mean, Even through a heated greenhouse, that would be yeah, a struggle. Well, you could do it, but it would, you know, it's a it's a major investment. Um, now, I will say this because of my situation with my plastic, you know, last year when we had that really big freeze and it got down, I think it was like 16 degrees. I did just cover it with plastic and everything survived. For the most part, um, there were definitely issues, but it survived. And so that's what we're yeah. talking. But see, again, this is where we differ in your zone as the listener. May, you need to think about this carefully is how do you rebound through your days and your month, weeks and months 
throughout the winter time. You know, do you stay, get cold and stay cold? Do you go up and down? Are you in yo-yo heartbreak zone? Mm. I mean, where, where are you at with this? Because it's extremely important to understand that a, a kale plant can definitely make it to 16 degrees, definitely 15 degrees, but it can't stay there and it can't stay frozen for a long time. It has to come back. So we have to think about this with our plants is, what are like, especially in the winter time? What are our, are all plants really? But what are they filled with? They're filled with water. The leaves are filled with water. So when you freeze them, you're gonna it's gonna break that plant matter down and the molecules in it. And if you don't warm it up, it's gonna be an issue. So you got to think about where you live and be realistic about it. And it's okay if you just can't grow. It's okay. Or if you mm-hmm. want to take other steps into heating this structure, which there are ways to do. But as far as just simply putting plastic over, once again, it has to be head to toe, all the way around, mm-hmm. covered in plastic. Um, a lot of times what I'll do, I'll look at the forecast and I'll say, hey, it's going to get really cold tonight. Even if it's, let's say, 40 degrees outside, it's rarely in the 30s during the daytime where I live. If it's in the 40s, I'll go ahead and I'll go out there the day before and I'll put the plastic on maybe in the afternoon when the sun's still hitting it and get that bed a little bit warmer. Because in that bed, even though it's 40 degrees outside, it very possibly could get 80 degrees inside very fast. But what that does is that soil will retain that heat and leach it back out at night. So it will keep it a little bit warmer, but it doesn't do it very well. So you're not really doing anything ground shattering or anything like that. You're just helping it survive and keeping that temperature up one to two degrees, which is a huge deal in a garden. I mean, if you're 28 degrees and you're keeping it two degrees warmer, you're at 30 degrees. Most anything you plant in the fall season or let's just say early spring, you know, your leafy vegetables, your broccolis and all that stuff, they can survive that. So that mm-hmm. that two degrees is a big difference. Don't shake a stick at two degrees. That's like that's a big deal. There's also this um, this question that if I'm you, I'm asking. Um, so you've kind of outlined you don't have to use it often, but in my case, once it goes on, it you know as you opened up, it probably stays on. Why even bother in my space? So this is where we we say things like what goes on your garden is going to be specific to your experience. Same thing here in that as I am looking at the forecast and seeing a frost is a coming, <laughs> I am still likely harvesting peppers from plants. Right. So I said things like I'm never covering pepper plants. Never. I'm not going to do that. It's not worth my time or energy. Um, but if I'm still harvesting peppers and it's a volume that I'm probably harvesting them, that probably means I have a kitchen full of produce already. So I'm just not ready to (laughs) manage through whatever's still in the garden. Right. So I'm storing those vegetables in the garden and I'm providing one more layer of protection to keep them alive. Basically. Um, Now there are some things again, like we'll have, if we get an early frost or if we get maybe a couple of days where the temps are are, uh, pretty cold, what happens if we have 10 more days where they're well above freezing? You know, that's enough for me to say, let me put a little bit of work in for these couple of days because I have 10 more days of fresh vegetables right, from the garden, you know, so. Now there is a major 
major downside to these bed covers um, in the wintertime. So I used them when I lived in New England. I think I was in zone five, maybe. Maybe six, something like that. Anyways, if you leave them on all winter, you're going to have weeds taking over your garden. They're going to thrive in that warm spot in the winter. So just be aware of that and know that that is a possibility. Um, and you, you just got to stay on top of it, but that's the general way to kind of keep your bed, you know, extend your season a little bit and then move on to, in, to either putting your bed to, to rest for the winter or floating it to winter through winter into spring. Did you have something to say? Are we wrapped up with the covers for the purpose of cold? Because I want to for speak the, about what happens in the spring for me. And it's connected to your weed comment. Yeah. So at this point, we've covered pests and we've covered season extension into winter. And then now we're going to move on to the next phase. So did you have something to add to it? No. Okay. You broke up in the middle of that spiel. So I, I didn't know what you were saying. Yeah. 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 So that's the transition I was looking for. Um, I have my ground freezes. So my soil will be frozen over the course of winter. Right. Right. You know how packages say, get out there and plant as soon as the soil is workable. They're talking to me because at some point in the winter, my soil isn't workable. You know, you can't get, you know, any kind of hoe or, you know, shovel or anything in there. Right. Until it thaws. And so what ends up happening is it depends on how quickly I could get out there in the spring. And for me, this truly means like more like the first few weeks of spring. So, you know, late March, early April, if I let that plastic stay on those beds any longer, I'm likely going to have the chore of weeding a bed that probably was clear or weeding a bed that had some vegetables in it. Right. Like, you know, so my whole goal of overwintering, overwintering spinach. But I'm going to basically be plucking weeds, too, because to your point, it becomes uh, much more warm under there. Now, I don't remember. Someone keep me honest. Leonard. Leonard. I thought last year coming into this year, that bed that I covered, I thought I felt like the soil, maybe just the first inch of the soil was so was uh, frozen. But the rest of it was really, you know, kind of pliable. But I can't remember for sure. I'll have to add it to the list of monitoring this year. Um, so the next thing for me it does is even if I don't have anything planted, I won't cover every single bed. But if I cover a couple of beds that I want to plant in early in the spring, I'm able to get to that soil easier. You know, working that soil you know, earlier, I yeah. should say. And I mean, you can eliminate part of that, too, just by removing it, especially if you haven't planted and letting it finish up the last couple of freezes take care of it and then you know go from there and so mm. we move into whatever you've done over the winter and now it's spring the birds are chirping the bees are buzzing the the mornings are warmer you know you're starting to get around the 32 range as your lows you're planting you're getting your lettuce in the ground you're basically repeating fall but in a much easier direction, what kind of. So you're getting more sunlight now. And the weather, you know, is ultimately over the next month or two going to warm up. So, you know, for me, that starts in about February. In about February, we start planting our hardiest of vegetables outside, um, other than our onions, which we plant in January. 
but you know, we'll start planning that stuff outside. And then you, you got this great period of time where it's really comfy, cozy, everything is just loving it and it's booming. And then you start getting heat. And as we know, a lot of these vegetables are very particular from the heat where they might bolt. And it's not always just the temperature that'll bolt. Sometimes, a lot of the times, it's the temperature fluctuation that makes it bolt. So it'll be hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. And that'll actually trick a plant to thinking that it's made it through two years of growth. So mm-hmm. I, I deal with that in my garden a lot. So now we're going to talk about extending through that period. And so we're basically extending our spring growing season. Does that make sense? Are you transitioning the type of cover we're using? Right. We're transitioning into a totally different cover now. So we're not using plastic. You may be using tool fabric at this point. You may be using row covers. You may be using insect, but then you're also going to use shade. So we're going to add shade now to it. But shade can get very complicated because there's different amounts of sunlight that it lets through. You're not just putting a tarp on that lets no light in. You're cutting down the amount of light that comes in. But we also don't necessarily need top to cover covered top to bottom coverage on it either. Correct? Agreed. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna look here. You've got multiple percentages. It goes by percentage of thickness um of the amount of sun that goes in. So, and a lot of people will confuse it. Well, not people, but a lot of companies will report it in multiple ways. It's 30% goes in or 30% blockage. So you got to make sure you read all the way through and you want to keep, you want to try and find a happy medium for your area. But, um, I use this, Probably around April this year, I'll throw it on, especially because it always seems to happen to me, Batavia. I'll be growing. Everything will be looking good. And boom, we'll get a heat wave. And then we'll go back Mm -hmm. down and then we'll get another heat wave. And when I say, uh, you know, a spring heat wave, not like a 90, well, we could be 90 degrees, but generally it's like in the upper 80s and these plants just can't handle that. So you want to keep it cool. And what you're doing is you're minimizing the temperature fluctuation on the plant itself and in the roots, right? Yeah, I um, I've not found the need for sh- the traditional and the true form of shade cloth. I was just talking about this recently, um, and I've mentioned this on an episode or two. I think the cheap landscape fabric that no one should ever buy for the purpose of landscape fabric, um, or like for the the, the faux weed barrier, right? But since I had some rolls, I was using it for a project where I was going to um, build some containers out. I have been using that as a part. I started earlier in the season to harden off my seedlings. Right. Um, And then as the season went on, if I ended up trans transplanting uh, seedlings in and it was going to be a sunny, sunny day, I use that to provide some type of shade. It's the same concept. Right. Now, I'm not using it to get maybe to let my broccoli plants get bigger but there's something to that you know so i struggle also with broccoli plants bolting before they get up to size right and while you know my warm days don't start as early as ben's 
um, we still kind of have that race to get those spring crops that will bolt in and out of the garden before it gets too warm. And for me, my, I mean, I feel like, woe is me, the, uh, the springtime weather in Chicago can be very unpredictable. Like we could get up to probably more like 80s, you know, not necessarily 90s, but a, a handful of 80 degree days that could be tough on something like, you know, a broccoli plant. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you just, all right. So the typical thought process is you string it up over the plant and you're going to avoid the midday sun, the hottest sun of the day. And so mm-hmm. when the sun goes over, it blocks it, cools it down, allows the temperature to, to kind of moderate a little bit. And then as the sun passes, it'll kind of pick back up. Now, my garden is different. So my garden, when as the sun goes over, it's getting dappled shade throughout. But as it goes around the corner and it comes in, it blares in in the afternoon. And that's the mm-hmm. hottest part of the day. So what I've had to do is I've actually taken my shade cloths and I put them at a 45 degree angle roughly. So where that sun comes in, it's about an inch off the ground. And then on the backside of it, it's about five feet off the ground. And then that's mm-hmm. helping all of those plants in that hottest part of the day where I get the most sun come through. Now, the issue with it is, again, you're blocking the amount of sun that the plant gets. So you may be slowing down the growth a little bit. You may be, well, really that's about it, slowing down the growth. But what you're doing is you're allowing that plant, you're giving it break, a break from the heat. And not only the leaves, but it's also the roots. So that, that's a big part of this is the roots. You can't let the roots get hot. And that's when you can add in mulches on top of that. So you have multiple layers of protection. In my mind, in my area, it's harder to keep things cool than it is warm. And Mm -hmm. that's the true uphill battle for us. What does the angle uh, do? So as a, okay, so earlier this year, I I was testing it out and I put up a a shade right over it. I put 30% shade cloth over And so what that means is it's letting 70% of the light through and I put it directly overhead and it was fine. But as it came down around the corner and that sun came in the way it hits my yard, it came in and it was cooking the front row and everything on the front. I did a video about it. You can go look at, I think it's called like the real proof that shade works or some shade cloth works, something like that. And, um, I ended up having to take down my shade cloth because the hurricane came, I didn't want it to get destroyed, put it back up, replanted, and I just put it. And so as that sun comes in at that angle, when it's truly the hottest in my area, remember, this is my garden, then it's blocking that sun and giving it that reprieve that it needs. Because this is a little bit different for us right now because we're in fall, but it's the same mm-hmm. concept where you're just kind of extending your season forward. You're like, pre-extending it i don't know a word for it but it's allowing the broccoli is for example to just get more growth on the roots and keep the leaves so when it does start to cool off it'll be farther ahead than it normally is does that make sense that i 
say that right? It it does. And as soon as you started describing um, that first row, I probably had forgotten. But when I asked my question that you're not covering it from top to bottom, it's basically hovering. Yes. The shade cloth was hovering originally over the garden. So you have that first row spent a lot more time with that sun when it came about. So, yeah, I'm tracking. No, there's a key to all of this is you do not want the leaves of the plant to touch the shade cloth because the shade cloth warms up. I want to repeat that. Mm -hmm. You cannot Mm -hmm. let the leaves of the plant touch the shade cloth. So you need to, you may need to adjust it. You may need to raise it, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get shade cloths like grommets built into them. All I did is I just pulled it up. I bought a 10 by 30 sheet and then just cut it. And I don't have, you know, and then I just tied string around it and did it that way. And it's worked great. No problems at all. And I think it costs like 10, 15 bucks for that whole thing. It wasn't maybe 30 bucks. It wasn't, you know, the super expensive investment or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So you can use things like that. You can um, do something as simple. If you just need it direct overhead and you don't need it like I do, you can just put four stakes in your ground and tie it just flat. Give it some space, you know, tie it whatever angle height you want. If you lower it, you'll get more coverage of that shade and as the hotter it gets, the more the sun turns. If you raise it, you'll get less. So you can do things like that, but that will moderate your temperatures. So you'll get a cooler midday sun and it's still going to get the same temperature at night, but you're going to lower that temperature good without the mulch. Let's just say it was on plain dirt. You're going to lower probably about 10 degrees underneath. And then if you add mulch, the roots will be another roughly three to five degrees cooler. So you can see how much more you're... So when you have 80 degree days and 40 degree nights, you're now having 70s to mid 60s in different parts of your plant to 30 degree nights. You're moderating that temperature swing. Mm -hmm. And that is what will trigger to have these plants bolt. So, and you could still use, like, it, let's say you set up your your row cover for the winter and you put it on, you can leave that same structure up there. You just don't tie it all the way down to the bottom if you don't want to. You can just do, like, the top half of that, cu- that structure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very common to see that, especially on farms and stuff like that. It's very common to see, you know, a shade cloth on that structure, but halfway covered. What do you use to tie the shade cloth? String. Down? Okay. So I use, like this year, I've been using random stakes. Um, I kind of, this is the first year that I really dove into using shade to cool my garden, like really trying to do it. I've done it before, mm-hmm. but this is the first year that like I'm really making an effort to do it. And, um, I'll tie off like two ends of it to a trellis and then two ends of it to a stake. And then <clears throat> now that I have them on a 45 degree, because I didn't really, honestly, it's so hot. I didn't really want to spend the time to figure it out. I kind of put some little stakes in between running on the front row just to kind of hold it in place because it mm-hmm. wants to sag. But next year I'll, I'll try and tighten it up a little bit and probably cut it the exact size of the bed and then build it so it's a little bit stronger. So you can do stuff like that. Super cheap. But 
it's also good to kind of reuse that same structure from season to season to season as much as possible. And then you don't really have it. I only have row cover from the winter time for one bed and I don't feel like spending the money to do it for multiple beds when I don't need it for multiple beds. Yeah, that's actually a really good note when it comes to any of this these things that you're purchasing or that you're, you know, I mean, I think generally besides folks that have a lot of like, you know, material at home, like maybe you do have some tool fabric or something. But other than that, you're probably buying this. Um, like I, I don't it's hard for me to see any of this being like if you have multiple garden beds or very long garden rows seeing um, folks cover their entire garden with any of these, you know, whether it's extending from fall into winter or coming out of winter into spring or coming from spring into summer. Um, so, you know, again, do what works for you, but don't feel like it's a requirement to have everything covered. Um, and then also think about your plan for what you're going to do with it when you're not using it. Um, that's one of the reasons why the row covers have turned out to work so well for me since I can just basically they double as frost protection and also um, creating, you know, an insect barrier, if you will. Um, I will note if I go back up, you know, crawling back up to that, the way that you use your shade cloth, you can see clearly underneath it and see those plants. Mm -hmm. The way that um, the insect netting works, I'm going backwards. Again, you can very much see the plants row covers generally even with like the thinnest it's pretty thick it's hard to see that's how i got the whole surprise head of uh broccoli yeah because i thought i was growing collards and when i finally opened it it's like that's a whole head of broccoli couldn't see through right. it right um and then the tool fabric is probably the easiest for me to see through when it comes to that um but all of that said consider what you're going to do with it so most of this is easy to fold up enough you know and then put it away with you know if you have a shed or a garage or a basement or something um know that you may be bringing bugs in with you if you're bringing it indoors um and then the kind of frame that you're connecting it to i think you leave your t-post up they're kind of nondescript right no i take i, I take them down oh do mm -hmm. you okay yeah yeah for me i I would rather have the garden, you know, the clean look of the garden to have the um, PVC pipe is what I use primarily. I'd rather have that taken down. But yeah, I mean, the list is long by the time I get to. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> to that part you know, of the season. my garden is a working farm, essentially. I mean, I, I hesitate to call it a farm because it's not that big. But if I have to leave that stuff up, it's not a big deal to me. Now, mm -hmm. I do want to say this. I have not used row covers ever, and I'm going to look into them a little bit because um, apparently medium weight row covers allow 70 to 85% of the light to go through. So that can actually be a viable method too, where mm -hmm. it's a multi-use product. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure about... I, I like the plastic for the winter time. I'll say that it just seems like it's more solid. I mean, for obvious reasons, it's a solid piece of plastic. So it goes mm -hmm. over and I mean, you just take it down and you fold it up. It's going to wear out and that is an issue, but you can get greenhouse plastic, stuff like that. That will last a lot longer. The sun degrades the plastics. So you can do stuff like that. It's a little bit more expensive. I don't use it enough to make a difference. I thought I was going to use it all the time and I don't, but you know, setting it up moving forward, it's the same idea. Um, you just don't need to do top to bottom coverage. And then in the fall, 
like right now we're recording this. It's um, September. I'm still using shade. So I don't use it in the middle of summer. But as I start planting my fall in, then I start using it up until those temperatures moderate and we're starting to stay in the low 80s during the day to high 70s. Then I'll take them off and the nights are getting cooler. Then I'll start to take them off and let the plants just kind of live their life cycle as they need to. You can do that. And it, it makes a huge difference. I've seen it this year firsthand. I mean, right now we're a month ahead of schedule for what we usually are just because we use shade. So, you know, you can use it as an extension in the opposite direction as spring or uh, winter. Mm -hmm. But um, it's all of these methods you can use in order to to boost your production in your garden. And it's really not that hard. It's another step. It definitely is. Uh, The one reason why I like doing raised beds is because, yeah, I do need, you know, I mean, technically, right now, I would need nine different shade cloths cut, but not all gardens have them. I don't have them over my tomatoes right now. I don't have them over my black eyed peas. I don't have them over my peppers, but I have them over, you know, my um, broccoli and cabbage and my Brussels sprouts are about to get them again. But by doing that, I can cut them, fold them up, and then stow them away, and then they're good to go until the next time I need them. And they, like you said, they fold up small, so it's it's a small investment. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big payoff for the investment. Yeah, the um, the plastic is probably the thing that's the clumsiest. Mm-hmm. And since I have my plastic on the entire season, it gets kind of like so going all of winter. It gets kind of icky and gray mm-hmm. looking. You know, so that's not exactly as sexy as my garden normally is. (laughs) But, you know, it is what it is, right? Um, I do want to add, and this is, I kind of have mixed feedback in, like, how it could benefit your garden. I've talked about it a lot um, this season. I've been using this garden netting, right? You know, and so I'm pretty sure when you look at the picture of um, it, when you're buying it, it's probably, like, showing birds, like, flying around like how do I get in you know so think about like you know berry plants and things and covering the plants so the birds don't get to the fruit I've been using it um I bought it originally when I had trouble with raccoons in 2022 in the spring I was nervous because my a lot of my beds sit pretty low to the ground about them because they had been climbing before I planted in those beds and digging around right you know and so when I planted in those bits I didn't want anything to basically disturb what I planted so I bought this garden netting it's um, the one that I bought it's black and it's in the Amazon store the links below um, in the show notes and I it's probably one of my top favorite things in the garden now and so once I start using a thing and I feel like it works for whatever the purpose is I just start you know using it like gangbusters Um, so generally speaking for me I've not yet found a stray cat which I got a plenty of them that are circling the neighborhood squirrels or raccoons inside of the beds using this cover right you know and so generally I don't have I don't think a lot of problems with birds so that isn't really an issue but I haven't found any birds in the bed everything else I've done whether I cover or not cover you know even the plastic I found stray cats chilling inside you know because I left the gap in the plastic or something so anywho that's it's um you're not really stopping insects because most insects can get through the holes. Even, you know, bees I found have gotten through the holes of that 
that netting. Um, but it definitely is something if you're having other trouble and you want to cover your garden beds. Um, and I also just want to add one note. If you have seen my garden, I generally have pretty high hoops. High hoops, high hoops. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Um, I build my hoops pretty high for the anticipation of vegetables growing taller. A lot of people that use your traditional row cover, I mean, they may have the row cover like covering, I don't know, maybe maybe two feet off the yeah. bed. They keep things pretty low because they're planting and then they're covering in a period where the crops are pretty small. So just know that you don't have to have it, you know, four feet tall, like you may see in my garden or some other people's gardens. It all depends on what your end game is. Well, you is. have less room to heat. That's the thing with the lower crop um, row, row covers is you have less room to heat. So there's less room for cold air to get in. Absolutely that. But then also there's less material right. that you need to use and less expense. Now let's, yeah, for sure. And let's talk about this real quick before we go on to the listener question. Um, I just want to say if the winter time is here, which we're definitely coming up on quick, you can put a row cover on, you can put the plastic on and then on a really cold night, you can throw a quilt on it and then just mm-hmm. give it another layer of insulation. You can put another piece of plastic on and do it. And if, especially mm-hmm. if you pull it tight and there's an air gap in between, then that's going to help trap heat in between and keep those plants warmer. So just think about all that. We, I mean, do we, I have beach towels all over my, you know, I live at the beach, mm-hmm. but we have them all over the place. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, that's, I've done that too. Basically yeah. an overview of every single way you can use a cover for your garden from shade to temperature, you know, uh, season extension in the winter and all that. And with that being said, we do have the Spotify listener question of the day. But first, I do have to tell you about the planter app. So if you're planting your garden, which we are coming up very quickly into that season, and just so you know, it is time to buy your seeds, everybody, then you need to be planting your garden. And there is not a better way to do it than using the planter app. Drag and drop interface. You can do it on your phone, your tablet, or on your PC. Depends on where you are. Drag and drop interface, square foot garden design, build multiple profiles, use it. It tells you... Companion planting, combative planting, planting dates, thousands of varieties, multiple growing guides for each variety. Tells you everything you need to know, pests, diseases, everything. It's a one-stop shop for your garden. You can get it on Apple or Google, and it's the Planter app. It's spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R, and there's a link below that'll get you a discount. And if you use it, I'm telling you, you can't go back. You can build multiple profiles and go back year after year and see what you've done. I use it all the time. It's basically a hobby of mine to just build garden beds and dream one day. You never know. I might actually build a whole farm on it one day and see what's going to happen. So get yourself the plant trap and plan that garden out. All right. Our lucky listener who gave us an excellent question that feeds directly into this topic. It is. Oh, I just lost the link. Nope. Got it. it says Cactus Boss writes, what's the best percentage of shade cloth to use in South Texas for a summer vegetable garden? Cactus Boss, that is a great question because that's going to differ from place to place, right? 
Sorry, my uh, neighbor was leaving a message about my garage door being open. I am 10 for 10 for that happening. There this you year. go. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, what, what percentage cloth would they use in South Texas? South Texas, oh, I yeah, imagine, yeah. It gets pretty warm. Um, I, I would say you could almost use like an 85 to 90% shade cloth. Really heavy shade cloth that lets. You think? Yeah, because you want to block out as much heat as possible. So that's the hard part because, I mean, you're talking about temps that are in the hundreds constantly. So are you saying that that garden should be covered 85 to 90 percent like most a lot of the summer? Maybe not most a lot of the no, summer. No, what? No, the question was not how long it was. What percentage of shade cloth? No, no, I got the question. I okay. was listening with the other ear, but I'm saying if you're using that thick of a shade cloth, you have to also consider how long that shade cloth is going to be on. Yeah, but I mean, you've got to get those, you've got to get those temperatures down, right? And so this is where it gets confusing. So some manufacturers will say, you know, this is a 30% shade cloth, meaning it's 30% of light going through. Some people will say mm-hmm. it's 70%, meaning it's blocking 70% of the light. So, um, what I'm saying is use, I would use in a hot region like that, I would try and cool that garden as much as possible. And then, yeah, you know, I, go ahead. I think that generally speaking the row covers as well as the, um, shade cloth, you know, we, we, we preach this, you know, when it comes to when the, the, uh, seasons are changing and you're getting less sunlight. I mean, by design, you're giving this, your plants less sunlight. You know, so there is a balance of how much those plants will grow during that period of time. A couple of days, even a couple of weeks probably won't matter much, you know, but once you're going beyond that period of time, I mean, you're basically, you have a shade garden. That's the, re- that's the, the reason why I'm pressing on like, okay, yeah, 80%, which means 20% of light's getting through, but for how long are you growing under those conditions? Well, you have to understand too, if you're putting it directly over top, you're just getting 20% of the light going through during those peak heat hours. And so you're going to be using a combination of planting methods and timing along with cooling. So you may Mm -hmm. not be able to get away like I am with angling it or something like that, because it may just be too hot, but maybe um, cactus boss is wanting to use it to maybe relieve the stress off his tomatoes or -hmm. something like that. So it'll help relieve that stress off that midday heat for a plant that already likes heat. Now, if you're trying to do something like for fall, then I would, I don't know what I would do to be honest. I, I mean, you'd almost have to black it out at some point, but I think it just depends on where the sun hits your garden. But if you're trying to cool tomatoes or something like that, then you can definitely put it over and it'll help for sure. Now it's different for everybody. Like you, if you needed to use it, you would probably use less, you know, maybe 60% (laughs) light admittance, maybe 50% light admittance, you know, just cutting that down in half where I need to use 70% light admittance. Well, it goes back to your your earlier point around kind of which bed you're using it yeah. for and um, how much sun that particular bed gets there. You know, we've talked about this before. My front yard garden gets the majority of the sun. Like there, there's no obstructions. Yeah. Right. You know, where my backyard garden grows well, grows most everything well, but it gets 
far less sun. So if I, if I needed shade cloth and I needed to consider what I'm planting that needs that shade cloth, well, one, I probably plant those more sensitive plants in the backyard to start with. And then maybe I'm adding some shade cloth, recognizing that kind of that combination of it's not getting, probably not getting eight or 10 hours of sun even, you know, um, direct sun, I should say. Um, and then you add that shade cloth and then maybe, you know, maybe I got it together. Whereas the front yard would create a different scenario. So if my temperatures were like 15 degrees warmer on average, I'd be in the situation you're describing and I'd be probably closer to 70% shade cloth like you. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's just, it depends on where now. I think the elephant in the room here is you need as a gardener on your property in your garden, you need to understand the way the sun hits your garden and understand how to make the, you know, the relief that it needs. Just like I said with mine, you know, mine is very specific to my area where the person across the street would actually be the opposite way for me if they even needed it at all. So it it just kind of, it's one of those things where you just got to play with it and you've got to really observe what's going on within your garden. But yeah, I would say somewhere down there, you'd need something pretty thick and you're still letting light through. So Mm -hmm. basically what we're talking about is if you just strung it up over and you're going to relieve some heat stress off your tomatoes, you're basically during the middle of the day going to get dappled the equivalent to what would be like a dappled sunlight through. So it'll still grow. It'll still feed the plant, but it's going to be protected. Mm -hmm. Very key. So that's South Texas. And then moving up north, you can get less and less. Maybe in your area, your summers are different. You know, you can do that, but I wouldn't do anything crazy, like just put like a straight tarp over it or anything like that. I I like the idea of growing under a tarp. No, I don't know if I've ever seen that. I've seen people use tarps and stuff like that to totally block it out during Mm -hmm. like a major heat wave or something like that. I mean, you could definitely do it, but problem is you don't let any water through. So if it rains, you kind of got to go back in and do it. So it's kind of, you know, it hurts. But if you we've uh, it's been super dry i know we're over it it's been super dry here and we finally got some rain overnight and the one bed that i had that cheap landscape fabric on i'm like gosh i hope it's cheap enough for the rain water to get through because those plants could really use some of good uh, some good old nature's rain uh so i still haven't had a chance to go out there and see if that's what happened yeah we got eight inches of rain with the um, tropical storm and now we haven't had any in a week i'm like damn we need rain again (laughs) but if you'd like to leave a Spotify question, you can leave it on any platform we're on. Just label it Spotify question. The reason why we do that is because Spotify has this feature where we cannot answer back. So we answer it on here and then we publish it for everybody to see once we've answered it. Uh, you can see meet us on Facebook at the Backyard Gardens Community Garden, uh, Patreon, Apple, Batavia's YouTube channel is Be Better Garden. And I am Sandy Bottom Homestead on YouTube. Come check us out. And again, if you want to leave a question, just label it Spotify question. And that tells us that you want everybody to know your question because you think it will help them. And with that, we're going to continue to learn to grow and grow for change. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.